Good morning. <laughs> Fourth time's a charm, right? <laughs> it's good to be here with you today. It's good to see all of you here. And I hear that there is, which I would need to be told, a big game on at 12 today. So I will try to not go too long, but I will at least know if somebody walks out, it's because of the game and not because of my sermon today. Um, <laughs> so it's really great to be here. I, my name is Courtney Herewald, for those of you who don't know, and I am a part of the volunteer preaching team here at River Heights. And so, hi. And so it's really great to be able to have the chance to come up here and to see everyone from this perspective and to share um, some things that uh, God has put on my heart. And I'm going to actually close us up with our series on Philippians this morning um, by talking about Philippians 4. Um, and so I know that as I've talked to many of you, uh, this book is a favorite amongst many of you. And actually, there are a lot of verses from this book of the Bible that have been really meaningful to me um, through certain circumstances as well. So it's been great for me to look at the book as a whole because I think sometimes uh, that can help give greater context and meaning to some of those verses that we take out without even realizing what surrounds them. So if you haven't got a chance to read some of the the uh, chapters before chapter four, I would encourage you to do that. Um, and then I'm going to give maybe just a little overview of what we've been talking about for the past few weeks as well, just to get you up to speed. Um, but before we do that, I just want to invite you to pray with me that God would speak to us um, wherever we are at this morning in this place. So Holy Spirit, come. We just thank you that uh, we can show up here and know that as we gather in community, you are in the midst of us. And so I just invite your presence here and invite you to speak to our hearts in whatever way we need to hear it most this morning. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, and I thank you that we can proclaim that we belong to you. And so, God, would that identity be what um, pushes us forward, God, today? Thank you, God. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at the last chapter of chapter or of Philippians, and before I get there, here's just a little overview of what's been talked about the past uh, few weeks, and if you haven't had a chance to watch any of the sermons or listen to them, they are available on our Facebook and uh, Facebook page and our uh, website, and you can also um, look on the YouTube channel as well. So uh, we started out hearing from John Marsden at the beginning about how this book talks about the importance of us partnering with Jesus for the long haul and giving Jesus, God the season of life that you're in, which I think is something that's important for us to be reminded of. And Paul Mandel then spoke the next week about how to live our lives in a way that points to Jesus and builds up all those that we come in contact with. And Jeff Connor talked about having healthy relationships, the importance of that for having a healthy church and the steps that we can take to maintain that unity by loving one another sacrificially, by working together for a purpose and avoiding selfishness when we focus on each other. And finally, Pete spent the last two weeks talking about Philippians 3. And he talked about how we can safeguard our faith through all things by rejoicing in the Lord, relying on what Jesus Christ has done for us, and meditating on the resurrection. And last week, we looked about at what it takes in order to do that, the ability to keep pressing on until God's kingdom comes in its fullness, knowing that we can celebrate together each step of progress we make in our faith. 
So many of these things that we've talked about are very practical ways that we can uh, help leave, lead healthy lives of faith even in the midst of challenges and difficulties. And I think most of us could probably say that in the past, uh, in, it's at least in some point of our lives, we've faced challenges and difficulties, right? Uh, if not especially in the past couple of years. Um, and it's really requires you know, us to be a part of community in order to, to live in this way. And so I think that that's one of the overarching themes of this book, is that while we can attempt to live this way on our own, it really requires being a community of faith in Christ in order to learn how to live lives that point towards Jesus. We need our community to walk out this faith together. And I have to remind myself sometimes that Paul wrote this letter to a community of Christ followers in Philippi. In fact, he addresses his letter to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. Other translations say to all the saints in Christ Jesus. And what these words mean are the fact that this community has been set apart. And so from the very beginning, Paul commends this community for being one that's set apart because it belongs to Jesus which says a lot about the kind of people that they are. They're living as a community that's built on the teachings of Jesus and the work accomplished through Christ. And it's being a part of this community that enables them to keep living out that identity in the world. There's a quote by theologian Stephen Fowle um, that I want to read because it talks about this idea of being in Christ, being a community in Christ. And he says that being in Christ actually locates you in community. So when we say we're in Christ, it actually means we are a part of a community. And it's governed by the realm of Christ. A community is defined by the lordship of Christ. And so what Paul's language here, being in Christ, simply presumes, but what contemporary Christians must remember, is that if Christ's lordship is to have any material reality in the present, then there must also be a community of people whose faith and practice, whose hopes and desires, whose very life and death are shaped by their allegiance to the Lord. So being in Christ means living within the realm of Christ's rule, and that realm is the church. So as a member of this community, Paul's joy throughout this letter, and I think that's why many of us like this book, because it's filled with joy and encouragement, this joy stems from knowing that he's not alone living this life devoted to Jesus and proclaiming the gospel. He's actually a part of a community that's participating together in living lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, lives that belong to the Lord. Their lives proclaim who Jesus is by the way they treat each other and by how they live as people in the kingdom of God under the rule of Jesus, and they're living this out together. And it's because of this connection in Christ that Paul can say that even though they're not physically together, because he's writing this from prison, they're sharing in the work that he's doing and even sharing in his imprisonment. He's strengthened knowing that they are faithful to living lives in Jesus, and he wants to encourage them to keep pressing on, to grow in an understanding of what really matters. And he says this at the beginning of Philippians. He says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. 
And he says, we are in this struggle together. And Paul understood that though it takes individuals to make up a community, it isn't enough to just follow Christ alone. Rather, it's living out this life by the power of Jesus in community that produces those things that would set them apart and bring glory and praise to God. So as we come to this last chapter, chapter 4, Paul reminds the Philippians once again that even in a world where so many are only thinking of themselves, he says they are citizens of heaven where Christ lives. And so he says this in Philippians 4.1. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. I think he knew they needed this encouragement and it's the, these heartfelt words of Paul's that come right after this that have uh, really struck me when I read this verse. So the next part, he says, I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. And the reason that this struck me is that it shows the deeper motivation behind all that Paul has been saying in this letter. It isn't just about reminding them to live in a certain way, although that's certainly part of it, but behaving rightly isn't what makes them this community that's set apart. What sets them apart is their love for one another and their identity as a community of love and joy in Christ. And so Paul ends this letter how he began it. And so I just want to look real quick at Philippians 1 again because I think this is kind of like a book Book ends to this, uh, this uh, book. It says, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. I mean, Paul really loves this community. And they bring him joy, even as he languishes in a prison cell. He had comfort and security because of the love of his community that he was a part of. He says that they prayed for him, that they helped him out financially, that they sent people to visit him, and they faithfully continued the work that he'd started in the Philippian church. All of these things made them a community of joy for Paul. And it's because of this relationship that he continues to encourage them and guide them in how to keep their lives for Christ. He was committed to their thriving because of his love and his joy in them and knowing that they all belong to Jesus. I think that's strong motivation to continue pressing on together. And I think that's why he felt the need to bring up what comes next in chapter 4. There obviously was an incident that had occurred between two people in the community. And he says this in verses 2 through 3. Now I appeal to Judea and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Notice he says, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Because you belong to the Lord. He knows that this community desires to live their lives as a community that's set apart and that belongs to the Lord. And he knows that unsettled disagreements are not a part of the characteristic of that community, kind of community. So he reminds the community who they are. 
And he therefore reminds the women who are in this disagreement who they are as well, that they're loved members of the community and co-workers for the gospel, but most importantly, that they belong to the Lord. This is the job of the community. This is the job of this community, to remind one another that we belong to the Lord. Because a community made up of individuals that know deep in their bones that they belong to the Lord, it's one that lives out of confidence and security in that knowledge, and that you're able to have joy no matter what your circumstances. Paul seems to know that the natural result of living in a community like this that belongs to the Lord is joy. Paul tells the Philippians in 4, 4 through 5, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. I don't know about you, but does this sound a little bit ridiculous? <laughs> Impossible, maybe, always to be filled with joy? How many of you are always filled with joy? You know, it, how is it possible to be a community of joy when there's so much suffering and struggle in our lives? Did Paul mean that we are to pretend that there aren't painful and difficult things going on in our lives? That once you decide to follow Christ, everything suddenly gets easy and we're no longer struggling? It seems like a pretty impossible standard and even may seem like Paul isn't adequately addressing the struggles that so many of us face. But let's remember that Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's experienced all the hardships and persecution that's accompanied a follower of Jesus at that time. His life has definitely not been easy, and Paul recognizes the challenges of life. He certainly didn't seek detachment from them, otherwise he wouldn't have been doing the work that he's doing. And I think that says a lot about what his definition of joy is. And it isn't dependent on circumstances at all. He says, not only should a community be set apart without unsettled disagreements, but it's a community that knows deep in their bones that they belong to the Lord and no one else because that is what makes a community a community of joy. One that can always be filled with rejoicing no matter what circumstances surround them. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know deep in your bones that you belong to the Lord? And how many of you have found this community, being a part of this community of River Heights, to be one of joy for you? I think many of us have. One that reminds you of this truth of who you are, that you belong to the Lord. One that helps you stay true to the Lord and makes you feel loved and consists of people that you would call friends that courage, encourage and support you. I know I can say this, yes, to most of these things, all of these things, really. And I'm thankful that I have a place that reminds me that I belong to the Lord. But I know that there are some people in here who probably can't answer yes to all of those things. And maybe you felt like you don't belong at some point or haven't felt the kind of encouragement that you've needed or maybe it's been difficult to make relationships or friendships here. 
And I want to take a minute just now to pray for that because I believe that God wants this community to continue to be a place where we all experience that kind of joy and encouragement and reminder of who we are in the Lord. So if that is you this morning, this prayer is for you and just for all of us that we would be able to experience that here in this place. So God, I just ask that you would um, come right now, God, that we are a community made up of broken people, but yet you have called us to live this life of faith out together and not to live it out on our own. And so God, I pray that if we have not felt that in this place, God, I pray that you would help us to be that for one another and that we would each know that there is a place for us here and that we can be the kind of people who encourage each other to stay strong in the Lord. And God, for those of us who have experienced that, help us to be those who welcome and who uh, continue to build up this kind of community. Lord, help break down any barriers that might keep us from being able to experience our identity as belonging to you in the context of this community, God. Amen. So I feel like God really does want to do this through our community. He wants to make us a community of joy. And when we live in Christ and we know this reality that we belong to the Lord, joy is simply a byproduct of that life. It's an inner contentment and a security knowing that no matter what we face, we are known, we're loved, we're called children of God. And we're able to say, as Paul did in Philippians 4, 12 through 3, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I know I've received a lot of encouragement from those verses, and realizing that that was written to a community of people that supported Paul makes it all the more evident that we need community to encourage us in this way as well. This inner security and contentment and joy coming, comes from knowing who we are and knowing that we are a loved part of a community that's seeking God together. And I have a recent example from my life as a parent that kind of illustrates this idea of what it can feel like to know that you are cared for and loved um, by the people that you are in community with. And so I'll show that in a minute, but it's my four-year-old daughter, Sophia, and I'll explain a little bit about her to you. She actually could probably be given the reputation of the most goofy and dramatic of anyone in our household, and my two other boys are pretty goofy as well. Um, but I think we have a little actress on our hands, and she's a joy to watch, though, because when she's with us, she feels free to be 100% herself. She's secure in who she is because she witnesses the love of our family for her. And even in those times that seem to be more frequent lately when we need to offer correction to her, she doesn't doubt our love for her, knowing that we want the best for her. We remind her of who she really is, which isn't always reflected in her behavior or how she might be feeling at any given moment but she knows that she is loved and that we love her for who she is. And however, recently I had a conference with her preschool teacher and her teacher was a little concerned because she was having trouble um, getting Sophia to come out of her shell. 
She wanted to make sure that everything was okay. Um, she said she's very quiet and reserved at school and doesn't want anyone to comfort her if she's sad. And so I was surprised about this because I see how she is in our home. And yet, when she comes running to me at the end of the day when I pick her up from school, she has the biggest grin on her face and she often says, I had a good day, mommy, <laughs> you know? And so it's almost as if the joy of being with me again and being with those that she is comfortable and secure in actually overrides any of the feelings that she might have had over the last two hours at school. You know, her teacher couldn't imagine the way I described her. But her teacher and I also both understand that she probably isn't feeling comfortable in the community of her classroom yet, especially since she's more, been more isolated from other kids during COVID. And her security, though, has come from the safety and love that she experiences in her family, even in the times that are less than pleasant at home, because let's be honest, we have a lot of those as well. But it doesn't have to do with just the environment, because as long as she knows that we are near, she'll experience this sense of security. It's as if she's so confident in who she is in our eyes that all else fades away. So here is an example from a recent outing with me to Chipotle to uh, visit, um, to meet her daddy for lunch, actually. Good job, keep going. Good job. <laughs> She'd be happy to know you clapped for her. Did you hear her asking us to keep clapping for her? <laughs> You know, here she is in a place that she's never been in before and that obviously is not a place of comfort for her. It's full of strangers as well. Um, but she was feeling free to be herself because she felt secure and confident knowing that her dad and I were there with her. Um, we created space for her to be free in the knowledge of her being loved and delighted in. And so she thrived in her pajamas, in the middle of Chipotle, <laughs> you know, and her joy couldn't be contained within herself, but it spills out to other people as well. And I think that that's a great demonstration of how we are to feel when we know that we are belonging to the Lord and when we have a context of a community surrounding us who are in that together with us. And it reminds me of a quote from the late uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson. He says, it is this spilling out quality of Christ's life that accounts for the happiness of Christians. For joy is life in excess, the overflow of what cannot be contained within, within any one person. You know, Paul witnessed this spilling out quality of Christ's life, and that is why he could be confident and secure in his community. He could ask these questions knowing the answer. He says earlier in Philippians, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, he asked, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Of course, I think Paul would say in enthusiastic, yes, in the Lord, they could be a community of joy. 
in the Lord, they could embody what it means to belong to the Lord, security in knowing the love and delight of their creator God. And the fruit of this is a joy that gives confidence even in the midst of challenging circumstances, a joy that can spill out into the world. So just like Sophia embodied that as she danced her heart out for her mommy and daddy to our claps and cheers of encouragement, that is how we should feel encouraged and supported and loved by this community and why it can be called a community of joy. And so today, I think that that is what God is calling us to, to continue pressing on, to continue being that kind of community of joy where we support one another. And I think that Paul gives a few practical things that come out in this last chapter that I just want to go over quickly that kind of give the characteristics of what this community of joy should look like. And we already looked at Paul's emphasis on the importance of settling disagreements, as he mentioned earlier. And I think that we could say that that's one characteristic also of being this community of joy. It's being a community of reconciliation. Being able to acknowledge our shared identity as belonging to the Lord, that can go a long way in settling disagreements and in restoring broken relationships. Secondly, I think Paul's encouraging the Philippians in verses 6 and 7 to be a community of prayer and gratitude. And I like how the message paraphrases this. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And so when he says this to the Philippian community, I, I think that what a, an encouragement that they can come together and pray. And I like this idea that when we cry out to God together for what we need and praise God in gratitude, our worries can be shaped into prayers. And suddenly Christ becomes the center of our life again. And being a part of a community that prays is one of the things that I love the most about this community. And it goes well with the next characteristic of being a community of joy, and that is being a community of Christ-mindedness. In the next verses, Paul says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul speaks this way to the Christian church in Rome as well. So this is a theme for him to say that we are to come together and encourage each other in this way, that as a community that's set apart for God, that we are citizens of heaven, that we are belonging to Christ. And then because of that, our way of thinking is actually transformed as well. We experience a peace that comes from living as we were created by God to live. And we become better able to live lives that bring glory to God, both as individuals and as a community. So I just want to read some of his thoughts quickly in Romans 8. He says, in verses 5 through 6, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. 
So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And he goes on to say in chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So being a community of joy is where we grow together in these things, where we learn to have the mind of Christ, where we learn to be able to let the spirit control our lives and and lead us in this path towards Christ. And lastly, we read further in chapter 4, and we see that this community has supported Paul through prayer and finances. They've sent people back and forth between Paul and the church to encourage and support and send provisions to him while he's in prison. Paul may be their leader in some senses of the word, but it's evident that there's a mutual love and a care for one another a way of experiencing um, this life together. And he wants to remind them to remain in this and to remember to be in a community of encouragement and generosity. So all of these characteristics of a community of joy stem from living out this knowledge that we belong to the Lord. And that knowledge continues to be spoken out in the community and serves to strengthen uh, them and also can serve to strengthen us so that we experience deep joy no matter what circumstances we may face. When we share in one another's joys and struggles, we are reminded that we're not living this life alone. And I think these words from a well-known author and theologian, Henry Nouwen, um, state this well. Just the importance of knowing that when we are in Christ, we are also called to be in community with with each other. He says, we are called to proclaim the gospel together in community. He says, I have found over and over again how hard it is to be truly faithful to Jesus when I am alone. I need my brothers and sisters to pray with me, to speak with me about the spiritual task at hand, and to challenge me to stay pure in my mind and heart and body. But far more importantly, it is Jesus who heals, not I. Jesus who speaks words of truth, not I. Jesus who is Lord, not I. This is very clearly made visible when we proclaim the redeeming power of God together. Indeed, whenever we minister together, it's easier for people to recognize that we do not come in our own name, but in the name of the Lord Jesus who sent us. So when we come together, we proclaim that to the world. And we proclaim to each other that you belong to the Lord. Each one of you, we belong to the Lord. And we become a community of joy when we live into that identity as loved, delighted in children of God. We can dance uninhibited, cheered on by those who want to see us be who we were created to be. So I'd like you to invite you now to stand with me, and I want us to pray together that God would continue to make this community that kind of community and um, that we could be that to one another and I'd like to invite the worship team to come up now as well God I just thank you that you have um, made a place for us to be in community with one another that you called us to live this life together and to encourage each other that we belong to the Lord and that God I pray that you would just fill us with the joy of that knowledge That no matter what our circumstances, we can be secure in knowing that truth. And that we can encourage one another to press on 
in the faith that you've called us to, in the life that you've called us to in Christ, that we can be who you have created us to be. Help us to continue pressing on to be that community together. Amen. So before we continue to worship together, um, I'd like to ask those who are on the prayer teams, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the sides, we're going to have an opportunity to um, pray for you for any needs that you might have. And I'm going to share in a moment just a couple of things that God has put on my heart. Um, But before we do that, usually we end our messages with some practical tips, um, some things to read, to pray, and to do. And so for this morning, um, I would encourage you to just reread Philippians for the whole thing. It's not actually very long, and it can give a greater context for all of these verses that we find so much encouragement in and see how it's meant to be in community. And then secondly, that you would pray that about how God might want you to become more a part of this community, to be connected more deeply with this community. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to be involved and to get to know this community even more. So that's your due for this week, to look into opportunities of how you can grow in relationship with people here in this community, whether it be through a life group, through serving. I know so many people came and served for the Thanksgiving giveaway this week, and that was a great opportunity for people to get to know one another. Um, And there's a lot more opportunities as well. And also as a bonus, encourage one another in the faith today. Encourage one another that you belong in the Lord. Maybe do this to someone today before you even leave this building. I think we can all use that encouragement from one another. So we're going to spend some time worshiping now. And I invite you to come up and receive prayer for any needs you have. And there are a couple things, like I said, that I felt as I was preparing this that um, maybe might resonate with you. And if that's true, I would encourage you to get prayer for them up here at the front. Um, One of those was that those of you who maybe have not experienced that joy of knowing that you belong to the Lord, but you'd like to, um, this is a perfect opportunity to have someone come and pray with you, um, to just give your life to Jesus so that you might be able to know the fullness of what that means to belong to the Lord and that we can welcome you into this community of faith together. So that's one. And then the second one is that if you have desired to be uh, part of this particular community of River Heights, but for whatever reason it may have felt difficult or maybe you felt like you haven't belonged, um, I think God wants to say, yes, you do belong here and that there is a particular hole in this place that can only be filled by you. And we want to be able to welcome and encourage you in your faith journey. So if that's you this morning, I would encourage you to get prayer that God might break off any barriers to that and help you to feel welcomed into this community um, this morning. So God, I just pray that you would meet us as we pray. God, that you would um, encourage our hearts this morning as we worship you. Amen. Amen.